coaches. Then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. Welcome back to the Only One Nation podcast. I am your host, Nick Jeltness. Joining me, as always, is my good buddy, Ryan Lopes. Ryan, what's going on, man? Man, draft week. We made it. Draft week, man. We're here after uh, after a long road to get here, and uh, we're going to talk about the all things draft today, nothing else but the draft, and to do that, we've got a special guest here, uh, my pal Marcus, Only One Nation staff writer. He's been killing it on draft content this offseason, um, so he's on board here to talk about the draft. Marcus, what's going on? What's up, guys? I'm happy to be here. Um, yeah, the, the draft or draft week always feels so surreal. There's so much work and chatter that goes into this event every year and then you get here and it passes so fast and it kind of uh leaves you in the dust so i'm excited we'll uh hopefully we can enjoy it yeah and then we do it all again next year it's uh, it's always a spectacle man we've had some some crazy crazy draft stories you know pretty much year in and year out there's always something wild that goes down and and like marcus was just saying the the chatter and in the week week leading up to the draft is is always entertaining to say the least ryan i know you've been keeping tabs on on kind of the latest draft uh draft i don't know draft chatter (laughs) draft buzz if you want to call it that there's been three or four rumors now that the raiders have been thrown into this last week do you have kind of a a rundown on on what's been going on or, or what your thoughts are on on the latest of what we're hearing at the number 10 pick yeah, I mean, it's always that's 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 kind of the fun of the draft, as Marcus was alluding to. It's all uh, it really is the the great unknown for the most part. You know, most years we kind of we kind of know what the top of the draft's looking like. I don't know if we can even say that for this year. So all the way down to, to to number ten for Oakland. That's that's definitely up in the air for reasons I'm sure we'll cover in this draft. My biggest my my biggest variable obviously is is John Gruden's presence. But for for the for the uh, for the rumors leading up to you know Thursday, man, the kind of flavor of the past week or so has been uh, Oakland's connection to offensive tackles. It started off with uh, with uh, the dude from 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 Notre Dame, um, who you know again we'll we'll, we'll get into to, to more depth as far as grades and ranks and all that stuff in a little bit. Uh, the that kind of has spiraled and evolved into you know ten overall. We're 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 going tackle to trying to trade down to kind of go Notre Dame tackle to now. Uh, it, could it be Colton Miller, the UCLA tackle, to now trade down for Colton Miller? Uh, any scenario for me that involves Colton Miller uh, before maybe the third round to me is absolutely disastrous. So uh, I'll let you guys hop in here, but I uh, I am not a fan of the latest draft rumors that involve uh, our, our favorite football team here. Yeah, I'm not thrilled either. What do you think about the the latest rumors there that Ryan was just getting at, Marcus? Yeah, it's it definitely is disappointing. I mean, I agree with Ryan in that. I think we've all started to get a feel for how Reggie approaches the draft. So I think if you remove Gruden from the equation, I think we'd have a better feeling about what might happen at 10. 
but with him being here and with with him being such an offensive presence an offensive tackle really being probably if you look at the roster right now is probably the weakest right tackle is probably the weakest starting position on the roster i think you could probably argue a few others but um right tackle is a bit of a mess so you kind of combine that with gruden being an offensive-minded head coach um you start to understand why the offensive tackle rumors are kind of flying around, but I really don't see a great option at 10, at least one that matches kind of the value of that pick. And so for sure, Colton Miller would be a a huge leap, a huge stretch. Um, I get why people like just kind of the, the, the physical traits he's, he's, big and long and uh he's got good feet and uh you know he tested really well at the combine but it really doesn't align with the tape which i know i i kind of broke down a little bit at the end of last week when the rumors came out but he's got so much work to do to get to be to be a i think a serviceable tackle in the nfl and i don't necessarily believe or trust that Cable's the guy who's going to get him there. So, yeah, that that's definitely worrisome. And uh, I, I would not touch him before probably, like Ryan said, the third round. I think I have him in the 80s or 90s on my big board right now. Yeah, you made a, a couple of good points that I just want to, I don't know, echo or, or, or reiterate um, on that. And, and one of them was Gurdon's influence. Um, him obviously being a offensive guy, he's going to want to to try to get uh, a couple additional pieces for his offense. And you know, Gurdon's going to know that his success is going to live and die with Derek Carr. So right tackle, if that's a weak spot, you know, that's something that he's going to want to get situated right away. Um, that's part of the reason why they brought in Breno in free agency, someone that Tom Cable's familiar with, someone that McKenzie's familiar with, just to try to put a Band-Aid on that position. Um, so in theory, offensive tackle sounds nice at number 10 or in a trade-down scenario, but this just isn't the class to, to make that happen, unfortunately. It doesn't doesn't match up that way. Um, in a trade-down, I don't think McGlinchey would be too bad. He seems pretty safe. I mean, I think he's going to be a pretty solid, consistent right tackle for, for a good amount of years, but he's just not someone you can justify a, a top 10 pick in. And then with Colton Miller... Uh, he was uh, an offensive tackle that was on my list when I was doing my project for Reggie McKenzie's big board for an offensive tackle widely projected to go in the second round. So when I was writing an article uh, for the website about second round options, I uh, came across Colt Miller's name. And in that write-up, this is probably a week and a half ago, I said, Colt Miller's a good fit, but in the second round, I don't even like him in the second <laughs> round. And then a week later, we get buzzed and he might be the pick at number 10. And I'm like, oh, shit. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, red alert. You know, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully that doesn't uh, come to fruition in in either of the first two rounds because there's going to be many, many other players uh, well above him that would be, you know, much, much better picks. Um, real, real quick before we move yeah. on to to another, you know, uh, position or player here, uh, Mark has kind of alluded to it. Um, the 
the the blurb or like the rumor that that I read today. I think it all kind of started with Josh Norris from Roto World. It was kind of his uh, his latest mock draft, his final mock draft had you know the Raiders sliding down or whatever like that. And and he his logical reasoning behind it was that uh, as again both you kind of alluded to, Tom Cable is now on board. You know John Gruden familiar with him, brought him back on the staff, of course, to the dismay of probably majority people. Regardless, Tom Cable's here, so he's thinking that Tom Cable, much like Mike Tice did when obviously he was he was here with Del Rio. Tom Cable's going to have quite a bit of say. Um, and Colton Miller, uh, to Josh Norris's point, and, and probably easy to kind of connect the dots, would be a, a Tom Cable-influenced pick. Uh, we've we've seen what Seattle attempted to do with their, you know, offensive tackle, you know, sele- or off- offensive lineman selections, I, could, I should say, you know, selecting, you know, guards, trying to convert them to tackles, tackles to guards, tight ends to tackles, you know, they were, they were trying, exactly, different, different combinations of things, man. Tom Cable had his fingerprints all over that. Um, I imagine, obviously, Pete Carroll probably had a good bit amount of say in kind of the transition all that stuff. But regardless, these were uh, Tom Cable projects to an extent, um, which doesn't exactly, you know, obviously this is a stretch on talent alone, but having Tom Cable sign off on this stuff just kind of makes a, uh, makes a bad case, in my opinion, a lot worse. Yeah, and Ryan, you and I talked about it on the uh, the podcast, I think, after the Gruden hire when we were going through the coaching hires. You know, neither of us were very big on, on Tom Cable, and we actually went through and looked at Seattle's investments they made in the offensive line while Cable was there. And, and contrary to the perception, they made sizable investments on the offensive line in terms of early draft picks for second, third round free agents, and, like, they all failed. So whether or not you want to blame Tom Cable for like he didn't draft those guys or he didn't sign those guys like he's the offensive line coach he absolutely had a heavy hand in you know deciding whether or not all of those players would be picks or free agents so you know I don't trust his one opinion based off of his his history and number two I don't trust him to develop an offensive tackle based off of his history so no matter which way you slice it I don't like it um yeah Marcus you got a little bit more you want to add to that yeah, I think, too, when you look back at the Seattle picks, a lot of those guys were kind of like Colton Miller, where they were high upside projects. If you look at, like, a Fetty or a, the, the, the dude who was a basketball player that I'm forgetting, uh, Gilliam, or Gilliam went to the Niners or something, but um, he, he just he, he seems to have an ego about him that he wants to get these guys that look the part and that he could develop them into, you know, what we would want as an offensive tackle, but he just doesn't have the track record doing it. So, again, just makes more, you know, me more concerned about that pick. All right, so let's let's talk about some more first-round options here. Since the, the draft process started, basically, I don't know, since the combine, we, we've kind of gone – full circle here on this rumor mill about the number 10 pick with you know number number of quarterbacks are going to go in the first round probably being three or four and that leaves you know probably six really good defensive players or more that would you know one of them is going to fall into the Raiders lap at number 10 it's just the question is which one is that going to be so we've seen at one point you know people thought Saquon Barkley was going to fall um Derwin James might be there Minka Fitzpatrick is kind of the latest one of of those who uh think he might fall Bradley Chubb at one point some people had him going mock to number 10 so we've kind of we've kind of had a, a week or so where each one of these big name prospects has been like oh they could fall to the Raiders um so realistically uh Marcus which which one of the 
I guess the top five non-quarterbacks in this draft do you think is actually the most realistic to fall on draft day? Yeah, I think I think it'd be kind of fun to look at the the nine picks before us as they stand and and kind of get a feel for who might fall. I mean, you have to assume there's going to be at the very least four quarterbacks chosen, if not five. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know about you, Ryan, but I've I've been definitely hearing and seeing some buzz about Lamar Jackson. It seems like people are getting a little hotter yep. on him, and he he might honestly. I mean, teams get so quarterback needy teams get so desperate, I think, on draft day that they kind of start to make some rash decisions. So I think ideal scenario is someone trades up to get Lamar Jackson ahead of the Raiders, in which case you've got, you know, the Browns second pick um, going to go to a, a non-quarterback position. You got the Colts, you got Tampa Bay, you got Chicago, you got San Francisco. I think realistically, I definitely see Minka Fitzpatrick being there at 10, which will pose okay. a really, really interesting scenario uh, with Ansley being the DB coach and Minka just kind of being, to me, a Reggie guy, mm-hmm. like tons of experience, um, great leadership qualities, uh, team DBs. Captain. Yeah, team captain. I mean, he's drafted DBs early. So if it, this were a Reggie-only draft, I would Minka would feel like a, a lock if he was there at 10. But I, I also think Roquan could be there at 10, depending on what the Niners do. Um, and I, I, a guy Ryan loves, I mean, Derwin James, I think there's, there's a good, hey, there's a good chance he's going to be there too. And, and I, 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 like Ryan, have him graded higher than Minka Fitzpatrick. So he would be a... Uh, someone to to really look at for sure. See, I I think that Minka he's he's definitely a Reggie guy. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But he he also seems to me like a, a John Gruden guy for sure. Um, some of the stories that you know I, we've seen, I think more so in recent days that have come out on him while the NFL is doing kind of their draft profile project. There's like a video that um, I think ESPN had where he had some former coaches talking about him, and it was like. After the high school state championship game, um, his coach called him the next morning, like the day after the game, and Minka Fitzpatrick was ready, like back in the gym working. Um, so pretty stereotypical, like you know, first in, last out. But um, Minka grinding, pretty though. much pretty much lives that, that I, you know. So yeah, I was, I was waiting for the first Gruden uh, Gruden grinder drop. <laughs> he, dude, there he is. is the embodiment of, of oh. a Gruden grinder, bro. They had <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. they had uh, in that same is. video that I think Nick's talking about, bro. They had uh, they were blowing out some team by forty, man, and dude, dude missed an assignment, and Damian Harris had to grab him and say, "Listen, we're we're up we're up by forty right now. Like, what are you what are you getting yeah. what are you getting so worked at?" But dude, he obviously lives, breathes, eats football. So like you guys were saying, Reggie guy through and through, and he's just a maniacal perfectionist, and that's kind of the John Gruden side of thing. As Marcus yeah. said, we. Got Ainsley as a defensive back coach. I imagine he's going to get up in arms if he's on the board. Vic, Vic, Vic Tafer, big, big, smooth. The Raiders beat guy, man. I obviously mocked him uh, in the in the early uh, the the athletic uh, mock draft. So dots are kind of out there. Uh, but man, this this offensive tackle stuff scares me. I I can I can see the Raiders doing something silly like looking straight past Minka, looking straight past Derwin James, um, and grabbing someone quote unquote safe or looking to protect Derek Carr. Which again, it, it makes sense, but it'd be unbelievably underwhelming. 
I'll absolutely go on the record here 100% without a doubt. It doesn't matter which other player is on the board. If Minka Fitzpatrick's on the board, he's the pick, 100%. Oof, I would. I like that. I'd, okay. I like I'd that. Lap. Right? Set that in stone. I, you're going you're gonna to have to like eat like, eat like a tweet case. or something like that, bro, if you're wrong. Is, 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 is that what you're supposed to do? <laughs> I will, I will yeah. eat. I will eat a tweet. I'll print it out and I'll eat a tweet if Mika Fitzpatrick is on the board and the Raiders pass on him. That's how that's how confident I, I like am it, that would man. Happen. I like it. Yeah, and and whether I mean whether or not he would be the best pick, let's say if him and you know Bradley Chubb are on the board, just throwing out some random names, or if him and Duran James are you know on the board, uh, a lot of people like Derwin Moore. Um, in my opinion. They're they're pretty close um, to me. I, I think Mink is better in in most areas outside of size and athleticism, and Ooh. obviously that's that's a pretty important factor um, because I think a lot of your upside is is going to be attached to that. Also, I think Derwin's inexperience is not going to be Reggie McKenzie. Uh, I don't know something that he looks for was um, you know he declared early he didn't have that three years of on field experience there are some concerns about effort or why he didn't live up to the hype so there's a few things that Derwin has I think that McKenzie would write off more so than Minka um, it's hard to say I think with Gruden how he might feel between the two but that's just my take on that um, Marcus you want to elaborate on your Derwin versus uh, Minka debate there yeah, I, I honestly the only I sort I disagree in that in kind of the the boxes I'm looking at uh, from a DB perspective. So you know, looking at uh, just kind of fluidity and coverage ability, um, tackling ability, kind of awareness and zone coverages, uh, ball skills, um, kind of how they pedal and break on the ball forwards and backwards. I mean. I honestly think a lot of those things I would I would slide to to Derwin's side. I think uh, my my biggest kind of gripe and concern with Derwin is I I truly did see some obvious plays where he seemed uninterested this year, and I uh, you know he's a 20 year old kid who is expected to be competing for national championships at Florida State, and they had a really bad year. So I get that, but I you would never see that out of Minka Fitzpatrick. So that that's probably my biggest concern. But as, as far as ability, I think uh, Ted has said this as well. Like Derwin might have yeah. some of the best cover skills yeah. of any DB, including corners in the draft. Uh, he's a physical, violent hitter. Whereas Minka's a, a, a technical hitter. He's, he's uh, you know, he, he brings his feet. He has, plays with good pad level he does all the right things, but I mean, Derwin will like impose his will on people, which I think is, I mean, something we all, you know, love and love to watch as fans. But um, yeah, I, I love Derwin James as a player. I think I've said this a few times uh, on Twitter, but if the Raiders believe he can play cornerback, which I kind of believe he can be a really good cornerback, kind of like what we've seen with Jalen Ramsey. Um, mm-hmm. He might he might be higher on their board than than we're thinking because uh, I I truly do think he could play any of the defensive back positions. Do you do you think um, there's any I don't I don't say concern but do you think there's any um, truth to the idea that maybe he's too similar in the mold of of Obi Melifonwu in terms of size height weight kind of freak athlete they've already got a, a kind of player of a lesser caliber player. Um, on the roster already that 
you know, it's like if you draft Derwin, where do you play him? I know you just said that he might play cornerback, but, um, you know, I, I think that's something to consider. Ryan, um, do you want to talk about uh, talk about Derwin for a minute? What, what you think about, you know, if you would take him over everyone, where you would play him if uh, if he was on the Raiders? Yeah, so uh, two, two two things, and I want to kick it back to Marcus and, and, and you as well, because I'd love, love to get your opinion on this as well. But going back to uh, Marcus's critique about Derwin's kind of the one obvious knock about him just being un, un, uninterested. I was talking to our boy Eddie Borsilli again, man, and uh, and he was we were going back and forth about Derwin. He obviously knows about my my infatuation this year, and he's uh, of course a, a good bit more connected than than I am uh, with people that are you know involved in in the league and stuff like that. And and one of the big big criticisms that were coming back his way was that. Uh, uh, there was plenty of times where Derwin kind of just stood around and kind of watched the pile. Um, as Marcus said, I totally agree. He is a ferocious hitter, a uh, big, big dude, obviously, you know, ripped up and uh, in that camp chancellor type mold. But again, it goes back to him just being, uh, you know, on, on an underwhelming Florida State team, I think, uh, that kind of led to him kind of just being generally un. Un- uninterested instead of you know always constantly running down and run support coming down here all that good stuff so again uh probably a minor critique uh, looking bigger picture but again uh something you have to note regardless um as far as position and what happens at the next level um that that's kind of the million dollar question i was going back and forth with ted about that early on in the season when i kind of first started diving more and more into you know fitzpatrick tape james tape etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, and that is the big question. The two things that I want to bring up, and then I'll probably toss it back to you guys, is uh, obviously this is John Gruden's team now, so he isn't necessarily tied to players like Obi Melifon, Fonwu, or to lesser extent, obviously Carl Joseph, all those other guys that were drafted before him. You would think that, obviously on the roster, Reggie's still here, but again, John Gruden, I would imagine, has more or less free reign to uh, move personnel around as he wants, you know, uh, move on from players. The thing with Obi is that we didn't get a chance to see him last year, so Gruden doesn't have anything to really go off of besides the fact that he just isn't connected to him so what he does with that you know that's going to kind of be an interesting uh kind of way to, to, to watch this kind of story develop if if they do go with someone like like derwin james i would play derwin in that kind of typical you know box nickel type role maybe relative maybe maybe try melifon at cornerback i know coming mm-hmm. out of school uh there was plenty of buzz around the senior bowl obviously we saw del rio and his boys stupidly enough play him at corner against tom brady which isn't the best idea uh but obviously give it a, get a full season under a full training cap under his belt and stuff like that maybe he can make the transition we know he's athletic enough um or i mean i don't know probably to a lesser extent weak side weak side weak side backer or you can play obviously derwin james at that weak side backer role too so uh, again, there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of choices there. I think versatility is a plus. Um, I'm just all about acquiring those, those those good players. I think what Derwin James does is he brings that alpha, you know, locker room type mentality that this team so desperately needs alongside of Khalil Mack. So, yeah, I I just I would add while Derwin has maybe the same kind of size speed profile as Obi, I could see I could flip it and kind of play devil's advocate a little bit and say having that amount of versatility and on the back end of your defense is it's kind of interesting and so having those guys both of those guys who can you know either match up against tight ends get running backs coming out of the backfield take on bigger receivers um it might you know it might arm gunther with some real interesting versatility to kind of uh uh take away some you know key weapons on the offensive side so it's interesting. It all really depends on what they think Derwin can do and what their plans are with OB, because I think we don't really know what that is at this point without, 
you know, getting reports on where people are playing in practice and things like that, it's really hard to know what their plans are for players with the new coaching staff. But uh, I, I, I do. I really like Derwin James as a player. I think he's – I have him as the third best defensive player in, in the draft. If any – if if uh, of all the defensive players, if Brad Chubb dropped to 10, he's my number one defensive player on my board. He fills a big need in my uh, in my opinion at edge, and he fits that sort of four three kind of edge defender profile as well. So if, if anyone was to slip from the defensive side of the ball, that would make me most excited. It would be Brad Chubb. I just do not see it happening. In fact, excuse me. In fact, the only uh, the only folks that I've seen have Brad Chubb slip and Ryan Nick correct me if I'm wrong is a pro football focus and I just feel like they they're a little lower on him than most but I just don't see him falling to 10 I mean he's at a premium position he has loads of production under his belt he tested incredibly well for a guy at 6'4 275 I just don't see it happening yeah, Brad Brad Chubb, I think, is the least likely of all those big names to uh to fall in in my opinion. So I'm with you on that. Um one last thing on, on Derwin is just that I think his his floor in this draft is is probably number seven. I don't think Tampa is gonna pass on him. Um so I, I don't think he'll even be in play for the Raiders either way. It is it is interesting to note though, that's uh that the the I guess the article that came out uh, a couple days ago was that you know Derwin James. It was I think it might have been a Monday Morning Quarterback article or or Albert Breer. Someone um, someone dialed in uh, said that Derwin James was uh, turning down all private workouts and he had one lined up with Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay called him first or something like that. He obviously didn't didn't go out there and work out. Obviously protect his draft stock and all that. So uh, I doubt that that wouldn't factor in for me. But just something interesting to note. You know maybe Tampa Bay. Uh, had other questions or had other concerns that they really needed to see firsthand that didn't get on tape or at the combine or something, you know, I don't know. Interesting. So if, if he canceled a workout with Tampa Bay, then would that mean that he potentially has like a, a draft promise, so to speak, from a team higher than Tampa Bay? Mm. I don't know. Again, I, I the way I read it was that he wasn't working out for anybody. So Oakland could have called oh, him. For anybody, who, period. Who, who, yeah, whoever could have called him. Um, and, I and, think, and he wasn't. I think it was an injury thing. I think just, it was yeah, just. Didn't want to get hurt. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah, makes, makes complete he, sense. Gotcha. He didn't gotcha. want to get he didn't want to get Sidney Jones. Exactly. Last year. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that, that was a rough one. Let's 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 go on to like round two and three, Nick. But before we do, let's kind of let's kind of tie the bow on round one here. Go back to your okay. original question and say let let's re- realistic favorite choice at ten overall. Yeah, who's who's the pick, Marcus? We'll let you go first. Who, if you had to, uh, I guess I don't know if you just want to make it a flat out prediction. I suppose who who do you think is the pick at number ten? I don't want to make this the prediction because we've all been pining for a linebacker for the last few years, but who I would want at, at 10 and who I think might be there is I'm circling all the way back to our initial love, which is Roquan Smith. I think all right. we have young talent. Uh, you, the Raiders have young talent at, you know, Along the de- defensive line, they need help, obviously. There's some interesting young talent in the secondary, but I just still see the linebacker as a pretty weak unit. So I, I'm going to okay. go with Roquan at 10. What about you, Ryan? Are you going to 
you gonna stick to your guns and say Derwin, or are you gonna say that's not as realistic? <laughs> well, that, and that's the thing. Obviously, last year I had the Christian McCaffrey. You know, I was I was on top of the table here. You know, stomping my feet and stuff like that. But end of the day, uh, he was I was predicted to go a lot a lot higher. I'm not sure running back would have ever been in play for Oakland in first overall. So keeping it realistic, of course, uh, I. As you alluded to, Nick, I don't know if uh, I don't know if Derwin's even on the board for the Raiders for whatever the reason, whether it's uh, uh, injury concerns, I guess, or just simply the lack of on-field appearances. Um, but again, there hasn't been any really buzz, which probably doesn't mean much. But again, it is notable. There hasn't been any buzz buzz with Derwin. So um, I, realistically, I won't mention him. That would be my my pick, as you guys know. But keeping it realistic, I would probably have to say I think he is going to be there. Minka Fitz, Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, again, for all okay. the reasons we talked about before. All right. So yeah, I think Minka's got a decent chance to fall, but I guess just to play it on the safe side with the expectation that he might gone, I'm going to go with the the pick I've been kind of preaching on for the last few weeks, um, and that that's Harold Landry. Um, okay. Absolutely think mm-hmm. he'll he'll be available for one, and and two, he's um, he's got potential to to truly be an elite pass rusher. I think his junior season was phenomenal. He was just he was wreaking havoc, like 16 or 16 and a half sacks in in 12 games over a two year span. He had almost almost 40 tackles for loss um, in a two year span, which is nuts. He was um you know a machine um his sophomore and junior year senior year he looked good at times was largely hampered by injuries but i i think the raiders badly need a uh, pass rusher immediately a number three pass rusher because after bruce Irvin, it's a huge drop off now that autry's gone and then once bruce is gone they, they need a long-term pass rusher to pass rusher to pair with Khalil mac um so i think he checks all of those boxes so that's who i'm gonna lock in here with the pick um so let's yeah like you said ryan move on to uh round number two real quick um marcus let's start with you do you want to just uh i guess maybe list off a a few of your 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 dream picks or a few realistic picks however you want to approach it for round two yeah i'll i'll start off with just possible guys who might fall that would be uh you know quote unquote dream scenario picks um if we don't go roquan at 10 a guy who didn't test nearly as well as I thought, but I love watching him on film is Rashawn Evans. Woo! Uh, Another favorite. Know, Let's go. Right? Uh, I think there's some linebacker needy teams in the back end of the first round. Uh, Steelers being kind of the, the one I'm looking at primarily. Uh, if he slips past there, he could fall. Uh, the only The only reason I'm saying he could fall is because he – he didn't run the 40, and he didn't test incredibly well in some of the explosive categories. But, man, he plays explosive, so I was really surprised by that. Uh, another guy that um, there's been some rumors that there's some character concerns. I know he left North Carolina and went to UCF or uh, Central Florida. Mike Hughes, uh, another guy I really, really love on film. Um, he's nasty, plays mean kind of like Jair Alexander. He uh, gets up in your face, is unafraid to play kind of press corner for a slightly smaller corner. I'd I'd kind of qualify him as average uh, size, but I would love it if he fell, if he was uh, available for the Raiders. And then maybe a couple more realistic guys. Um, From a tackle perspective, Hoping they they kind of pass on a tackle in the first round. I'm a big fan of Tyrell Crosby. I think he's a plug and play NFL uh, offensive uh, right tackle. So um, 
I, I like him there. Uh, looks like the Patriots have been working him out too, and he might be an option for them. They, they definitely need an offensive tackle. And then the, the last guy I'll say is a guy I've, uh, I've loved for a while is my Fort Hayes State bro, <laughs> Nathan Shepard. There you go. Yeah. Uh, man, this guy, I, I honestly believe if he was playing at a D1 program, he'd be, he'd be looking at like 10, top 10, top 15. He's 6'4", 310, uh, tested well, plays super physical, really strong hands, got a nice little pass rush skill set, um, was dominating at the senior bowl and one-on-ones against, uh, you know, the highest competition he had played until he, I think, broke his hand. So I, there's something about uh, him that just tells me he's going to be, when we look back at this draft, he's going to be looked at as, you know, one of the 10 best players who came out of it. So uh, he's someone who I think fills a huge need and uh, I, I really, really like watching on film. So those are, those are some of my round two guys. Some good names. Ryan, before I kick it over to you for, for round two, I just wanted to give my linebacker spiel real quick before I forget. Um, with, with Roquan, um, I just wanted to say that um, he's he's definitely the most popular pick, I think, among the fan base, but I think his floor is, is nine to the Niners. It seems mm-hmm. to me. I Especially mean, after the Reuben Foster. Yeah, they, they're going to yeah. need Reuben Foster insurance, so I just don't see them passing on, on Roquan. And honestly, I've said this on the Black Hole Banter podcast I did with uh, with the homie James and then in some tweets and some articles um he, he doesn't he's not quite the level of Roquan is for sure but I think if they like a linebacker the Raiders do I think they would I think they would like Leighton Van Der Esch more than they would like Roquan honestly as hot of a take as that might sound he just he just seems oh, like he's yeah. more of their fit Reggie likes some of these kind of old school bigger physical guys um Gruden you know Gruden Grinder He's gonna be old school. I just I see both of them preferring Vanderus to, to Roquan personally. Can, can I, I gotta counter that, but Ryan, go ahead. No, I was I was just gonna add. I, I could again athletically. I think he checks all the boxes, um, probably for every single team. And the dude obviously is a is, is an absolute you know genetic, just made in a lab type of deal. My only counter to that would be kind of like we were talking about with Derwin James is that Layton only had kind of that one year production. Um, mm-hmm. I, it, he might only be a one-year starter as well, if 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 if, if memory serves. So I don't know if I, that might factor in, uh, just like it would factor in for Derwin James or other prospects that just don't have that, uh, I guess, extensive, for lack of a better word, kind of you know game tape or something like that. Yeah, my my biggest, I, I'm I'm actually I'm notably pretty low on on Leighton Vander Esch. I have him like a late second, early third, and my big. My biggest problem with him is I don't see him playing that physical. Um, so I agree. Yeah, I, I actually don't, I, I I wouldn't categorize him as a throwback in terms of toughness. He actually he dodges a lot of blocks. Uh, he doesn't take on blocks the way you would want a six four two fifty linebacker to take on. Um, I don't I don't see a, a a violent physical hitter. I think he's got a uh, a big tackle radius with those long arms and, and he's uh, smart but smart the way he approaches downhill yeah, and stuff like that yeah yeah definitely instinctual but i just i i kind of uh i'm concerned by the the quote-unquote toughness i guess a little bit i i don't see a, a lot of real physical play out of him which which kind of bothers me yeah you would definitely think that at his size he should absolutely 
Um, I agree with that. I mean, he he isn't as physical as as what he looks like he is on paper, but it's just I, I don't know this kind of day and age. There's those linebackers that I think are few and far between. So just think that maybe if they see a linebacker that they think is capable of doing it, you know, they might be intrigued by that. I think you could definitely argue that his ceiling is probably uh, high, high as Rokon, if not higher than any linebacker in this class, just given his physical traits. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Up there? Yeah, but if you like Leighton, you probably like Tremaine Edmonds too, and uh, I like him a little bit better on film. Uh, I was actually surprised that he didn't test quite as well as uh, Leighton did, but mm-hmm. still still a freak at, at, the, at his size at linebacker. But yeah. um, I think he might be a wild card for the Niners at nine. It could be – they could be looking for more of a, a straight-up middle backer there, and uh, he he could be a surprise pick for Lynch at nine, but Roquan, Roquan is definitely the most likely pick there. All right, Ryan. Let's uh, let's get back to round two here. Uh, what what names do you have on on your short list here? So so quickly, just uh, um, Marcus mentioned Mike Hughes. I would counter and say another another cornerback that I'm probably a bit higher on the most, but I think fits. I believe he was a a, a no fail on, on on your Mackenzie Bornick, uh, Colorado's Isaiah Oliver. Um, yeah. Speaking Ooh. of athletes, man, that that dude is like I believe he's like a, a legit decathlete or something like that obviously just oozes athleticism uh speaking about upside again you have an athlete obviously the, the ceiling is a good bit higher i think his ceiling um is arguably as high if not higher than even someone like denzel ward that i have as the the draft's best cornerback so for me big big isaiah oliver fan obviously putting him grabbing him in the second 41 playing him across uh you know conley down the road man really 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 nice pair there uh, i like i like nate shepherd in the second um, second round, a couple more names I'm going to throw out, and you guys can let me know how you, how you feel about him. But uh, Josh Sweat, off the edge, obviously a big need, mm. has kind of the injury question marks. Super talented kid, I think. But, again, the injury questions and kind of all those other kind of red flags that go along with it, he's probably going to end up slipping. Is 41 too early for him? You know, so just another name to throw out there. And then a couple, couple wideouts that I'm, that I'm looking at. Uh, Christian Kirk, again, I, I think he's a good bit underrated at this point. Um, I have him as a top five or maybe top six wide out. Um, and uh, I think he's just kind of, again, I think, I think uh, Tafer again published the article about his connection to, to Stabler's, uh, Stabler's daughters actually representing him. Uh, and so there's, there's definitely some interesting Raider kind of connections there, but I just think he's the type of wide receiver that John Gruden has kind of preached about as far as, you know, footwork and, and, and route work in general um, and tangibles off the chart, just a kid that just loves football from everything that, that we've been told. So the Raiders, you know, again, Nick was talking about, you know, Gruden being an offensive guy and trying to add, add more weapons. The Raiders could look at wide receiver receiver uh as early as you know second round pick um then of course then you have you know running backs Rashad Penny to me a fringe first round kid Nick Chubb first round kid for me that's probably going to be there the round two or three so again I think Gruden McKenzie probably looking for some uh you know long-term kind of options behind Marshawn Lynch which figures to be his, his his last run this year yeah, I'm with you on uh, on Isaiah Oliver. I've, I've said um, on Twitter a few articles as well that he's at the top of my round two wish list. He he absolutely checks all the boxes that McKenzie looks for in cornerbacks. Um, and looking at John Gordon's history with cornerbacks, some of the the corners that Gunther has worked with in Cincinnati, um, they they're on the same page here with with what they look for, and that's usually six foot plus. Um, 190, 195 plus long arms, and Oliver's all of those things. He's above six feet tall, above 200 pounds. 
He's got a ridiculous wingspan. It's it's in the 98th percentile for cornerbacks. So he's got real long arms, um, four or five speeds. So he's he's definitely the the prototype for for McKenzie's cornerbacks. And and he's he's extremely polished as well. He's not just a physical traits guy. He's he's uh, technically sound for the position. So he's he's at the top of my wish list. Um, especially because I don't think, for the reasons I just described, the Raiders are going to be in on Denzel Ward or Jair Alexander in the first round because of the the size and length thing. Um, they don't really fit that profile. So for that reason, Oliver in round two um, is, is at the top of my wish list. Um, and then to echo what Marcus said on Nathan Shepard, um, he's, he's very high. He's probably my second or third favorite in the second round. Um small school guy but he largely dominated the competition that he faced and that's what you want to see with these small school guys um you know may or may not be fair but they have to do a little bit more to to prove themselves than than someone you know that goes to a d1 school and i think he accomplished that so he would absolutely be a first round pick if he went to alabama or some other school um he's a little bit raw but um you know he's he's not too far off i don't think and one other name i'll throw out there is uh Taven Bryan from Florida defensive tackle, big-time athlete, huge um, huge frame, 6'5", about 290. So he's a little little light for for his height, but he's got, I think, plenty of room to, to pack on the needed weight. Um, if McKenzie still is running the show here for the draft, uh, we all know that he loves those, those second-round projects. That's, that's his thing, um, and, and Bryan is a bit of a project. Um, he's kind of all physical traits. Very little instincts, very little technique, so I think he fits that that project description. But I'm I'm more confident that Gunther and and uh, the the new DL coach we got from Green Bay would would be able to get him to to where they want him to be. So those are the three names that uh, that intrigue me the most for the second round. Um, as far as skill players, I think they might wait a little bit longer. Uh, but yeah, some of those names that you threw out there were uh, were pretty good. Um, in the second round, any of you guys want to uh, throw out any other couple names, any scenarios out there that we didn't talk about already? I I just love to respond to a couple of you guys' thoughts. I think there's some really yeah, really go good thoughts in there. Um, I love Oliver as well. I I, I actually didn't uh, name him because I I don't see how he doesn't make it out of the first round just Ooh, given uh-huh. given given his size. I like it. And uh, his tape, I I I actually have him uh, 16 on my board. One of the I think 20 something first round grades I have. Um, he, he checks pretty much every box you're looking for in a corner. Um, maybe not the most uh, polished ball skills or fluid ball skills, comfortable with the balls in the air, but um, good enough. And uh, yeah, I love him. So that would be it. That would be a, a dream scenario. Uh, sweat as well. I keep I keep saying like everybody who who's on this Marcus Davenport train, which I get. I mean he's he's got a ton of room for growth. He's a physical freak, but if you like Davenport, how do you not like Sweat? I mean he yeah he was he was more of a freak at the combine and really played out of position at Florida State. He was asked to be, play basically a, like a, a two gap kind of like. Mm-hmm. Uh, odd front, uh, like defensive end where hand in his dirt. Well, and he rarely even got to rear back and just rush the passer. He was kind of mush rushing and like handling two gaps uh, for the most part. So I I feel like he just hasn't. We haven't even seen his best football yet. Um, 
so yeah, good options there. Brian as well. I think uh, tons of tons of physical traits to work with there, and had some games where he just dominated. So um, a, a lot of good in, uh, ideas there, and, and skill players. I in an interesting one for me. I I'm not sure where the Raiders or how willing they are going to be to to go early with skill players, but please say Jacecki. What's that? No, Jacecki. I want to see him in a dunk contest. <laughs> My God. Uh, yeah. I would. I, I. I'm definitely interested to see where when they're going to be willing to take a running back, a wide receiver, a tight end, because running back especially, it's such a loaded class. I. I feel like you just you wait for one to drop and you just get a great value somewhere. All right. So let's let's move on to uh, to round three. Um, plenty of good names. I mean, it's it's. I think a pretty deep class. Um, you know, when I get into the third round, even to the fourth round, there's still plenty of names in there I I, I like before it starts to uh, to tail off. Um, my opinion, I, I think they should really start to focus on this defense first. I'm I'm more confident in Gruden being able to get the offense to produce with the pieces that are in place. Um, I know some long-term solutions are needed here, but um, you know, my preference would be just the defense to get all the help that they, they can possibly get. I think I think they need it. Um, so in a perfect world, I, I, I hope that's where they address most of these early picks, probably first three, maybe first four rounds at least. Um, so let's get some uh, some specifics. Uh, Ryan, we'll go back to you here with third round. Um, any any names that you have on the top of your wish list? So uh, I haven't I haven't officially published my my top 100 big board yet, but that's coming out maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow, but just a couple of the third round grades that I personally have, and then we can kind of cross reference with the, uh, with, with, with your, uh, McKenzie big board, Nick is, um, I got Deshaun Hamilton, again, going back okay. to the wide receiver position. Uh, I think he kind of embodies, again, what, what Gruden's kind of been preaching as far as uh, work off the line, uh, you know, stems, his his ability, you know, his just, uh, his just comfortableness uh, in various routes, concepts. Um, so he's someone that I, again, round three grade, that might be low uh, for some, might be high. I'm not really sure. I think that's kind of a, a fair projection for him. So I got, I got him there. Uh, one of the biggest crushes that I have this year, um, no surprise, it's another running back I got Naheem Hines um again round three that might be a bit high for some people but again I think he can do so much uh for an offense and especially for a creative offensive play call if I'm paying John Gruden 100 million dollars I hope this dude opens up the playbook which I think obviously he will um so Hines man has spent time at wideout obviously we're kind of the backfield now just one of the more uh, electric uh athletes at the position uh super quick had that had that four four three something time uh great hands so he, he could just bring a whole other dimension to to the offense if the Raiders kind of want to go um with that with that other kind of you know uh versatile option out of the backfield again not a, not a workhorse so that might be a bit too early for him in, in that sense but um two, two of the names I want to throw out there um Arden Key um, there was a there was an article uh, recently about him linking up, uh, taking mm. his visit to Oakland, uh, linking up with Bruce Irvin and stuff like that. Arden Key again was a legit. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. A top a top ten, you know, top five consensus player at some point. Um, obviously, kind of has the character concerns, some off the field questions. Uh, didn't didn't produce. Um, so uh, all the red flags you could want uh, or, or not want in a prospect, rather. Uh, but again, he might be there in the third round, and and that might be some value that you really can't pass up. 
Um, last name for me that I'll throw out there. I got a bunch from him, but I'm going to just circle another one here. Uh, Malik Jefferson at, at, at linebacker. Um, I got I, I got around three grade on him. I think he was kind of the darling of the linebacker class heading into the year. Um, didn't really produce to kind of match up to the athletic hype and the hype in general. So he might be in the third round. Uh, he might be available in the third round. That, that could be a name that, again, I, I see a good bit of value um, just given the type of athlete and, uh, you know, played inside, played outside, which might have been kind of the, the cause for kind of some of, some of his, uh, you know, shortcomings production wise, but again, get him a, get him, a, get him in a spot and let him, let him play there. Let him hone his, let him hone his skills. And obviously you got a good bit of, uh, you, you got a good base to work with just given the type of athlete that he is. Marcus, you uh, give you the floor here. Yeah. Ryan stole a lot of my names, but, uh, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll find a couple more. I, uh, I've been working on my seven, seven round Raider mock that I'll release here pretty soon. Then, Deshaun was definitely a name I was looking at in the third round. Uh, another wide receiver I'll throw into the mix in the third round where that the wide receiver group's an interesting one because there's not a lot of like elite guys at the top, but there's a ton of guys mm-hmm. in that sort of second tier, second, third round kind of range. So uh, a guy I really like is uh, Anthony Miller. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a, he, you know, he's, about average height and and speed. I think he only ran like a you know mid to low four five or maybe a high four uh, four four. But I love the way this dude plays. Um, goes up and wins contested balls for a smaller receiver. Dangerous with the uh, with his hands or with the ball in his hands after the catch. Um, runs pretty good routes. Pretty nuanced. Pretty precise routes. Um, just a competitor, man. You you watch this guy uh, even just take his run blocking so serious. Like he's driving guys, get he's feisty. He's driving guys out Sounds of bounds. Sounds like a grinder. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. And and I was uh, I I saw something um, from the Steelers, I think wide receiver coach, where they always they say they will not draft guys from the wide receiver position high that aren't willing to kind of get nasty and run blocking. And I, I thought that was interesting because they do such a good job of finding receivers that there's something to that. Oh, yeah. So uh, They always hit on the receivers. Yeah, so I think uh, Miller fits that. So uh, quickly move on. I think a running back's going to drop in here somewhere. Um, I love Penny as well. Does he fall to the third round? Probably not. But if he does, mm-hmm. I'd be all over it. Uh, third guy, if we don't address DB, um, earlier on in the draft, I think right now if Conley's healthy and Melvin, uh, also can stay healthy as kind of a, a checkered health history. Um, you need a slot corner, uh, to play, uh, inside with these guys. And I, I like MJ Stewart. Um, he's played all over the place outside, inside. He's played a little safety. He's tough. He's kind of, he's kind of thick for a cornerback. Um, but tested pretty well, uh, tackles really well, stickier than you'd think. Um, yeah, I, I think third round's the right value for him. And I think he would be uh, immediately ready to, to play, uh, as your starting, uh, nickel corner. All right. A few names alter out here for the third round. Uh, one of them is, is someone that Ryan already mentioned, which is Malik Jefferson. I, I think he should go in round two. I know his range is kind of considered two or three right now, but he's, he's a linebacker that's got all the tools that you could want. Um, you know, he can be physical. He can, he can dish them up those, uh, those big hits. Um, so I definitely think Gordon McKenzie would, would like him quite a bit if he's there. 
Um, if pass rusher isn't addressed in the first two rounds, uh, Kamoko Ture out of, out of Rutgers is a little interesting. Um, you know, kind of another toolsy, oh, yeah. toolsy guy. Um, got what you need to succeed. So, you know, in the third round, you know, that's something I think you, you take all day. Um, offensive tackle, in my opinion, um, as Marcus has already mentioned, it, it could be the weakest starting position on the entire roster. So um, even though David Sharp, Jalen Ware, Fidal Alexander, Breno uh, Giacomini. Um, there's there's a handful of names, but none of them, you know, really give you much confidence. Um, Sharp, you know, looked good in the preseason. Vidal looked good at times, but he was kind of exposed last year. So since you've got a question mark here, I, I think it'd be smart to, to get another offensive tackle in the mix here before round four. So in, in round three, maybe even round four, uh, Joe Nopum out of TCU, Alex Kappa, Humboldt State are a couple of offensive tackles that, that kind of meet the, the, the criteria that I that I learned about uh, McKenzie's preferences for offensive linemen. Um, Akora Four from Western Michigan is another one um, who I definitely like probably better um, than any of the other offensive tackles. Um, that we've talked about so far, that that could be a you know maybe round a round three guy. So offensive tackle could be a, a good spot here. Um, so those are are some of the the names that that I like. Um, one other name would be if they don't have a cornerback addressed. Um, one one other cornerback that that meets um, you know all of the uh, the preference here that that McKenzie and Gurney like in cornerbacks is Quentin Meeks out of Stanford. Um, He's got the size, got the length, pretty good athlete. Um, he could probably even play some safety. So, you know, that versatility is something that McKenzie covets quite a bit. So he, he would be uh, another one to throw out there for the third round, you know, depending on, on who's available. Um, so those are a couple of names from me. Um, so let's, uh, you know, unless anyone has anything else they want to throw out there for the third round, let's uh, let's skip over to the fourth round. Marcus, we'll start with you. Um, give you the floor here. Who do you, uh, who do you like in the fourth round? All right. Well, it starts to get a little tricky, kind of figuring out who's gonna who's gonna drop in this scenario. But a um, couple of names I like. One uh, is definitely a high risk player, but uh, someone who has uh, really good film. I think checks all the kind of uh, physical boxes. Is Holton Hill from Texas? Um, been in some trouble, but. Um, Man, he, he he locked up quite a few impressive receivers last year. Uh, James Washington, he kind of took to task. Uh, let's, uh, he did a really good job in the USC game against some of their really talented receivers in Burnett. Um, no, I'm missing another one where he he locked down a pretty good receiver. But uh, and he's he's one of the most physical tacklers and hitters I've ever studied from a cornerback. I mean, this guy is like shot out of the cannon. As soon as he reads run, he is flying to the football. So who doesn't love watching that? Um, I, I would, I, if they're comfortable, I usually in these scenarios the the GM and the coach just need to kind of talk to the guy and understand what, what's gone wrong in the past and get comfortable with that. If they are, he might be, you know, if he if he had a clean uh, history, he's probably a late first, early second uh, draft pick. So Holton Hill's a name I'd look at. Uh, if I'm looking at running back here, uh, is John Kelly available? Maybe. Uh, if Johnny, he is, Johnny. I'm, I'm, 
Everybody loves Johnny. Raider Nation loves Johnny. They do, man. Uh, they why really wouldn't do. you? Why, why wouldn't you? I mean, he's, he's fun to watch. He, he'll he run through you. He'll run around you. He can catch the ball. He blocks well. Uh, he's not a track guy, but he'll pick up extra yardage by, you know, with that nasty stiff arm or uh, his quick feet. So uh, I'm all aboard the John Kelly train, so I wouldn't mind seeing him there. And then lastly, I mean, I I, I want to bring up Ture again. You said third round, Nick, maybe fourth round. He's an interesting one. His his production's low, uh, but I think a lot in large part, if he was asked to drop back a ton, like he wasn't really rushing the passer on a high percentage of his snaps, kind of like Lorenzo Carter at Georgia. Both guys that I think if if they were just straight pass rushers, they'd probably be one, their production would be much higher, and, and they'd probably be looked at as higher picks. But uh, he's a guy I really like um, that I think if, you know, for some reason he slips, I, I'd be all over him because I think his best football is in front of him. Yeah, I, I like some of those guys like Ture, um, you know, since he's got experience doing multiple things, you know, whether whether or not it, it wasn't his, his strong suit or what he should have been doing. He, he's got experience and, and can do some of those things if asked, like driving back into coverage. Lorenzo Carter, I'm glad you mentioned that because he's, he's someone I like for that too um, as a potential linebacker that, you know, depends how you want to use him because it, it seems that he can do a, a variety of things. And, and those are, are the guys that McKenzie is, is usually all over, like Corey James, someone that was, you know, um, pass rushing at Colorado State also playing linebacker and, and he's been you know pretty much an, an off baller or even inside linebacker with with the Raiders so you know th- those are the kind of guys that the Raiders like to draft um, and I think Gruden you know I, I really think that him and McKenzie will be on the same page with a lot of this um, and, and that is is one of them so I can definitely see some of those guys um, getting picked so Ryan well, let's uh, kick this over to you for uh, for round four throw some names out there yeah, so round four again, a lot of a lot of good names by by by, by Marcus. I I I'm we're on the same page as far as that's concerned. Uh, two more linebackers I want to throw out there just because again, uh, Raiders Twitter uh, absolutely has the thirst. Uh, so let's <laughs> let's let's give him some options in each round here. But uh, I got I, I got I got Jannard Avery. Um, I have a bit higher grade than kind of that. I think I'm probably going that four to five range, Nick, as 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 you note here on your uh, on your on your board. But uh, again, just made himself a lot of money at the combine. Uh, test surprisingly well. Uh, productive. Uh, uh, ha- has the ability to kind of to kind of get off the quarterback too. Um, the biggest question mark for him, which kind of keeps him probably in that four to five range, is his ability in coverage. Which again, I know the Raiders have struggled with. So I'm hoping that obviously the testing numbers kind of relate, kind of turn around, and kind of help him kind of grow that 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 skill set, so to speak. So I got Jannard Avery there. Um, another another name for me at linebacker. Probably again, probably a bit too early for 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 Jack Sitchie. Um, just given kind of the injury history and stuff like that, probably more of a round six guy, maybe round five guy if some team is comfortable with him. But I would take him as early as round four. I just think his upside, when and if he's on the field, you know, or when and if he's healthy, I should say, is is right up there with the, with with the top of the class for me. So I got I got him there as well. Yeah. Go ahead. You you mentioned him a little bit earlier. I I was gonna get to him because. Um, you know, as we know, Raider Nation badly, badly wants a linebacker. Uh, McKenzie seems to not give a shit about linebackers. Um, just kind of, kind of his deal. So I, I really think that every single time the Raiders are on the clock, round one, round two, round three, 
half of the tweets we're going to see on the timeline are going to be begging for them to take the best <laughs> How they not take a linebacker, linebacker. And, and they're not going to do it. It's yeah. not going to happen um, yeah. until, I think, maybe the fifth round. I actually have a theory on that. Well, I have a theory what's, on what's that. What's the theory? Going. No, go ahead. What's the theory? Well, could part of that be because at the last few years, you have Del Rio and Ken Norton Jr. kind of running the defense. Linebackers who... I mean, coaches tend to have this ego of, I play this position at a really high level, I can coach someone to do it. I wonder with those guys gone, maybe they were driving more of that we don't need an early linebacker. It's just a theory, and it'll be interesting to see this year if that changes at all. So I I never thought about that before, but I think that's that's interesting. Nick, go ahead, and then I'll I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. It could be. Yeah, you've... Even uh, even pre Del Rio though, it just doesn't seem like even though that was uh, two seasons, maybe three seasons that McKenzie was around before that. Um, I think two years. Um, you know, he just didn't seem to value linebacker even even before that. And Gunther has had some comments after he got hired where he had some quotes that he also preferred some of these late round linebackers. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's where I think we're gonna end up again. And and the guy that that Ryan mentioned. Um, out of Wisconsin, our boy. I think he's going to be um, Kishi or Sishi. How do you say his last name? I think it's Sitchi. Sitchi, yeah. I've heard it like four different ways. I think um, it's Sitchi. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be uh, – I think he's actually probably going to be the pick if I had to put my money on one guy. A um, couple other ones I like, though. We got, we got, we got Nick eating a, 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 a Sitchi tweet, and we got Nick eating a Fitzpatrick tweet, bro. <laughs> You're putting a you- – He's feeling good, money, man. Hey, man. He's feeling good. I'm, I'm, I'm still rolling my high hand from last year. I was hitting, so <laughs> you were. You I'm, definitely I'm, were. I'm feeling it. So I, I think he'd be one. Um, Avery, I, I like Fred Warner. I like Warren Burks. I like. There's actually a decent amount of like fourth, fifth, sixth round linebackers that I don't think are, are really all that bad. Um, yeah, so I, I don't I see the Raiders picking one early. I think they'll grab one of these, one of these late guys, and I think Homie from Wisconsin is going to be the one if I had to put my money on on one of them. Um, and then just a few names to throw out there for, for round four. Um, don't really love him, but Brandon Parker, offensive tackle, he, he kind of checks all the boxes. Taekwon Lewis, if they want a defensive end, kind of more of a primary edge rusher, um, is another uh, another guy that, that could be interesting. Um, I don't have a whole lot of receivers that that made it on my final big board when I was doing my McKenzie project. Um, the reason for that is because a lot of them ended up failing the hand size threshold. Um, McKenzie has drafted four wide receivers. Um, the problem is sample size. Only two of the four wide receivers had their hand size recorded, and they were both 10 inches or more. Uh, um, Andre DeBose and Bryce Butler didn't have hand size. I couldn't find it anywhere over the last few years. I look every year, and I can't, I can't find it. <laughs> so for that reason, that that fails a lot of the receivers on the board. Um, but Darius Fountain, um, wide receiver from Northern Iowa, is, is one of the few mid-round options that make it as a, as a skill player. The other one is Aquaminius St. Brown from Notre Dame, um, who, yeah, could be a good round three, round four wide receiver. Um, you know, he, he seems like someone that's going to have, a, I think, a better pro career than college career. He was, he was really hampered um, by, by some yeah. poor QB play there. Um, so yeah, those are, are some names for, uh, for me to throw out there in the fourth round. Um, Ryan, um, anything else you want to add or Marcus? 
Well, I want to, yeah, I want to circle back around to just real quick on the, on the whole on the whole line the linebacker theory. I I it's, it, Mark Marcus brings up a good point. I never thought about you know the Del Rio Norton kind of ego kind of over over overhanging, but um, I do want to add that obviously McKenzie comes from that Packer tree, and I think uh, our our buddy Justice man out there he was he, he does the Packer board every year, and he I believe he said that Thompson Ted Thompson, uh, former GM of course, uh, they never drafted a linebacker before. I think the earliest was maybe round four maybe round five so that's kind of and again I, I I think that's kind of how the league in general more or less values the position I mean very rarely do guys like Luke Keekley obviously uh, you know come out and, and declare Roquan Smith I think is kind of the guy this year that that obviously will have teams banging the table early but in general I think teams more or less try to get these you know because everyone wants these kind of those, those those hybrid type players anyways right it's all about athleticism all about speed you want those kind of overhang safety type you know linebacker you know uh, former Safeties converted to line. You, you you just you just want that that hybrid that versatility behind it. So you can get those guys mid to late round, which is what you know McKenzie's obviously been doing to the you know the frustration of of of, of, of plenty of fans. Um, the only other couple names that I will throw out there as far as the rounds four and five go. And then Nick, I think we should kind of we should round up you know rounds five through five through seven after and kind of kind of tie a bow on that. But round four, um, Justice also says that the, the draft is only four rounds, which I, I I do tend to agree with. It kind of gets messy after after that. Nothing really matters. But um, I will throw out. Uh, as far as wide receiver, again, a player that I'm probably higher on. I don't think he'll go in the fourth round, but I certainly would pull the trigger in the fourth round. Uh, FCS <laughs> crush, man. Justin Watson of Pennsylvania. Uh, dude had dude had had silly production, obviously at the at the F, at, at the FCS level. Um, and just an athletic freak as well. So uh, someone that uh, made an appearance on Nick's no fail board. Uh, someone someone that I'm uh, obviously good a good bit higher on as well. Um, so he 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 could be an option for me in the fourth round. Um, the only other name that I will probably throw out there. Um, he didn't make an appearance on the board, Nick, but. Um, and, and again, I don't think he's going to last to the fourth round, but going back to running back Royce Freeman, um, again, definitely a higher grade than, than the fourth round for me, but I don't know, might be a player that ends up hanging around in that, in that range. Um, and again, we know, we know about the body of work at, uh, at, at, at Oregon tested, tested really well as well. So Royce Freeman was a, was a tough cut, believe it or not. Um, there's, there's a good sample size for the running backs that oddly enough, uh, it seems like he McKenzie really likes a high bench press mark. Um, eighteen reps or more was was the threshold for running back, and Freeman came in at seventeen. Ooh. So that's the only thing he failed. So kind of a shitty way to go out. But you know the data is the data. Um, you know I try to make that process as taking all the subjectivity out of it and just seeing what the data says. But you know obviously um, that that's something that I think you can you can overlook pretty easily. Um, and yeah, Justin Watson was one of the other late receivers that that made an appearance on the final board. Hell of an athlete and just to kind of add in there i think he's going to be a guy that's going to be last in first out blue collar lunch pail guy coach's son <laughs> coach's son yeah coach's son. Oh, any am i missing oh, for justin watson no, just really want to circle and highlight coach's son i feel like that's yeah a, i don't know for sure <laughs> uh gruden grinder ask ask nfl.com ask nfl.com because they certainly didn't <laughs> that's, do that's a shame. um so yeah, let's uh, let's get into rounds. I guess five through seven, because from from here it's kind of a you know take your pick. Um, you know you kind of just whoever you want to take here, you want to take here. Let, let's do everyone um, list like maybe like two or three of their favorite kind of day three. You know Reggie McKenzie, Diamond in the Rough. Uh, you know type of type type of gems. You know. All right, 
Marcus, we'll let you start this off since you're the uh, the guest of honor tonight. Oh man, okay. Uh, late round guys that I like. Um, I'm gonna go eight Aruna out of Tulane. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, he he kind of again as a guy who just looks the part. He if you just crafted a, an edge rusher, you'd, you'd probably look something like him. Uh, he he. When I when I studied him a little bit more, he actually uh, is kind of like Josh Sweat in that he was asked to not just put his head back and rush too often. So I I, I wonder with him if his best football is in front of him as well. Um, he just wasn't asked to do the things that he should have been asked to do, uh, just based on their their defensive game plan. Uh, two other names I'll put out there. I really like Arian Springs from Oregon. Um, oh, yeah, that guy can play. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a James it's a James Coburn favorite as well, I believe. Yeah, yeah, he he hasn't gotten a whole lot of love. He absolutely has bricks for hands in terms of intercepting the ball. If you look at, he's got like twenty passes defense and like one interception. Yeah, he doesn't uh, have a future could, at receiver. That's for sure. No, you can see that on film. But in terms of just like great size, can play off the ball, can play press. Um, there's a lot to like with him. And then, um, I'm going to, I'm going to throw out a name from Grambling named Martez Martez Carter. Carter. I love this guy. He's He's got shake. Yeah. He's so much fun. He can, he can return. Uh, he, he's a threat out of the backfield. Um, there's just another versatile guy that I think, uh, return is something, a a returner is something I think they're going to target late. Uh, in the draft with losing uh, Corderell, I think they have definitely a weakness at both punt and kick return. So looking for a guy who can kind of provide some some value on special teams and on either offense or defense. So Marchez Carter. All right. Uh, for me, a couple of guys for, for linebacker, Oren Burks is, is someone that I – I like he's he's what Ryan mentioned. He's like the safety that turned into the linebacker. So if you kind of want this modern day linebacker, he I think he's he's kind of an intriguing option for uh, for mid or mid late guy. Uh, if they don't find an interior pass rusher, Bilal Nichols out of Delaware. Um, I like Marcel Frazier out of Missouri is another one um, that uh, that is intriguing to me. The the Raiders need to find I think a Nico Autry replacement, someone that is tall, like can play defensive end or, or defensive tackle in a pinch. I think Marshall Frazier um, could, could fill that role. Um, Joe Osman from Central yeah, Michigan yeah. as another That's defensive end. Um, running backs, um, Mike Boone, someone that the Raiders have already visited with. Um, so he he's someone that uh, that kind of checks all the boxes for, for running backs. Um, I think with one of those six-round picks, if uh, – if Caleb Ballage is still available, he seems kind of like a, a guy that McKenzie absolutely would, would take a flyer on in, in the sixth round, kind of like he did with Latavius Murray, where um, he's got the size, got the athleticism, just didn't produce. Um, so that, that would remind me of the Latavius pick all over again. So that, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, and I don't think we can go on this podcast and, and not mention um, the younger Khalil Reginald McKenzie Khalil. Jr. Um, yep. He 100 percent is going to be a, a draft pick. You can lock that one in there. Yep. Um, I'll I'll eat a I'll eat I'll eat a, a tweet or whatever for that one. Yeah, we'll, well. we'll all eat a tweet if <laughs> if, the, if, if well, McKenzie's on the board. Well, eat, no, listen, I'm not going to eat a tweet. Oh, you guys got to eat tweets. I'm not no, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm not putting my neck out there yet. Are, I'm not putting my neck out there. Everyone yet. in Raider Nation is going <laughs> to do it if he passes on Khalil. 
that's uh that's absolutely yeah. gonna happen nah he's he's definitely gonna draft him bro that's it just feels like yeah. he's, he's got to draft he him. To. he's his pops bro yeah. he's, he's, he's gonna come home on the weekend and be like dad i was i, I was, was on there. the board and you took i was on the board and you took another defensive tackle instead i don't get it dad i went to the yeah. same school i don't yeah. I, what, what more do you want from me exactly that's gonna be an awkward thanksgiving if that doesn't happen <laughs> old mrs mckenzie's gonna put in the divorce papers yeah, it's, it's gonna, gonna be bad, bro. Yep. It's just, it's just so. gonna unravel quickly. There's a lot riding on that for Red. Yeah, there is. Like, that's just. Absolutely. He doesn't want to sleep on the couch. <laughs> like he's got to take him. Yeah, so that's that's gonna happen with one of those six round compensatory picks. Um, and Reggie too, I found it interesting in the press conference. He was obviously asked about the idea of of drafting Hassan, and and Reggie kind of smirkly said that the co- the uh, all the coaching staff loves him. Um, you know, kind of tongue in cheek. <laughs> yeah passing the buck there yeah. that it's not just me yeah, yeah. Um, and then he also said that he's trying to convert uh, the the junior McKenzie here to offensive uh, offensive tackle or offensive guard um, which I think would be interesting because you know maybe uh, maybe that's what they want to do uh, what's one of these depth offensive alignment spots um, I think I think Reggie's got like a younger son that is like he's a notable recruit I think he's going to USC I think he's a notable lineman offensive lineman so Reggie just got the he just got the lineage Bro, he's just he's just popping oh, out. He's got the jeans. D one, D one bro. All right, one one more thing I want to talk about before we go, um, and that's special teams because it's not sexy, but it's necessary, and I think it's I think it's realistic for them to they got eleven picks. Um, they're gonna take. A so punter. I think it's realistic for for them to pick a punter. Hell yeah, they're gonna draft. They're definitely gonna draft. I think it's gonna be J.K. Scott out of Alabama. It probably was one of those six round picks. You, you think him over Dixon? If, I honestly, I don't know. I, I like thing about punters. I just uh, you know scouting scouting punting isn't my my forte. No, it's um, not my favorite. <laughs> not my favorite thing to do on the weekend. Not my favorite pastime. Um, I just I don't know. Just the Alabama thing, you know, I, Ray guy, whatever. I just yeah, I just think they're yeah. gonna. I just think they like J.K. Scott, Michael Dixon. Some team is gonna do the the Robert Aguayo and draft him in the fourth round. Oh yeah, it's gonna be yo Dixon. It's gonna be the Browns because they're bad. Gordon, Gordon, <laughs> Gordon McGinnis from PFF, man, dude's a dude's a, a wealth of special team knowledge, and I I bust oh, yeah, the shops yeah. here and there. But uh, but yo, he he legit. I mean, he 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 is smitten with Michael Dixon, bro. Like that is like apparent. Apparently, again, I have not watched probably more than one punt of this kid's career, but apparently, this kid is like <laughs> the best punter to come out since I, I don't know who the last good since, punter since was. Ray guy, maybe Ray guy, bro. I don't know since like the Leckler, 70s bro. or some shit. But uh, but yo, Dixon apparently is a complete. Uh, I, I shit. I mean, I, I guess he's the game changer, bro. You know, with the with the field position and stuff like that. But to your point, I think I think Dixon is kind of he he might be like a third or fourth round kid. I I really don't know. Yeah, bro, that's know? what I'm saying. <laughs> Someone's gonna take him early. It's gonna happen. It's gonna be one of those things where it's like they trade up to get him in the fourth round, and it's 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 gonna happen. I think it's gonna be one of the funnier draft day stories. But hey, I mean, if he's like the best punter in the league and he's like pinning dudes in the five yard line and like just completely changing the outcome of games and like hell yeah you know i just need him to i just need him to if 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 dixon comes true bro we grab him in the third or fourth everyone's pissed but i need him to kind of regain everyone's trust against the broncos he's got to do the fuck the uh the pony the, uh, right? the, 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 the mark the pony. Pony. Yeah. yeah exactly he's gotta win him over bro <laughs> all right that's the third um, round pick if he does the pony i'm in <laughs> <laughs> sign me up um so yeah, yeah i mean one of those two guys yeah i absolutely see the raiders going after after a punter i think they got like i said they got 11 picks they're gonna spend one on, on a punter i think and then a kicker too i mean to he started off hot. Um, you know, I don't think he missed a, a 
kick for like the first six or seven weeks, but then he shit the bed and went like, I don't know, five for 12, I think on his, on his final 12 kicks of the season, something like that. It was rough. Um, so I, I, he's, to me, he's not the answer. He never, he never was the answer. He looked like he was going to be, but I always maintained for the three or four years where Tevecchia would show up to camp every year and get cut. Um, when the preseason was over that if he actually was a legit NFL kicker, another team would have already signed him. You know, he wouldn't just only be the Raiders camp kicker uh, because kickers, kickers get turned and burned all the time. We see all these dudes always getting cut, getting tryouts, teams changing mid season. And he never got one call up ever. Um, he just comes to Alameda and kicks and <laughs> Janikowski got hurt and it got to stick. Um, and that's how that happened. So he's, he's not the answer. Um, there's, there's what's it? Daniel Carlson, I think is the top kicker and he's kind of a big guy. Um, not Seabass big, but if I'm not mistaken, he's, he's kind of a big guy for a kicker. So I think that'd be, that'd be nice to see, uh, a heavier set gentleman back there for um, heavier for nostalgia purposes. Bro, we got to stop talking about special teams players right now. We got to, let's just end the then, Are we, are we ending on kickers we and can't punters? Do that, That's how bro. we're going out. We, we, we can end, end on something else. else, but I'm just saying, I I think it's gonna happen. Agreed. Kicker and a punter pick. So like yeah, so like we'll, Leckler, we'll end this. Like Leckler Janikowski, you're bringing it. You're bringing it back. Just like Gruden. I mean, we had we had Janikowski for 18 years. You can say what you want about the guy, but he was the right pick in the first round. Well, Hey, no, I'm not, I'm not bashing. I'm not bashing we pick. cannot go down this rabbit hole any any longer, boys. We gotta we got we gotta hop I know. off. Uh, yeah, we gotta stop. Should we? <laughs> All right. So, any anything else that you guys want to bring up? Any players we didn't talk about well, um, that aren't kickers or punters? Let's 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 end on well. I, I think we we got to end on on a good note here. Before we do that, let's let's talk about real quick. Cause I don't know if we really covered at the top of the, the top of the show, but wh- who would be the who would be? We talked about our favorite pick at ten. Who would be the absolute most disappointing pick at ten? Marcus Davenport, yeah. for me, oh. or Colt Miller. I mean, we talked about Colt Miller, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, Marcus Davenport. I just think he's just he's all. I mean, it's good to a, to an extent, but he's just all physical traits. Like he's all size and athleticism, and and I'm all for athletes. Like give me all the athletes, but you know, if you're at number ten and and like that's the only thing we can bank on for you, then then I don't really want any any part of that. Um, you know, if he was like a, you know, maybe in the second round, I could talk myself into that. Kind of like what I was saying with Tevin Bryan. Um, you know, he's he's largely a project, but he's at least got something on film that looks like promising. With with Davenport, I just I just think that's very few and, and and far between so for me i think that would be the 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 pick i would i would least be thrilled with and then i love uh Vea. um i think he's fantastic uh, but i i am worried about his upside as a pass rusher i, I think it's pretty oh. limited i don't want to say he's got no pass rushing skills he, he he can be disruptive and i think disruption is, is production and, and it's important uh, but I, I think we need more of a, a true, a true pass rushing like penetrator like Maurice Hurst. Maybe we could talk about Hurst. I don't think we talked about Hurst at all. Uh, but they, I don't think he is what the Raiders need. So I guess that's my thoughts on on some of the uh, how how ten overall can go picks. wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what about you, Marcus? I'm gonna bite my tongue on Vea because I love me some Vea. That is your. Yeah, he's fantastic. That is. But uh, but I'll let it. I'm gonna let that go. <laughs> uh, I, I think on for me the worst worst case scenario is any non trade back pick at offensive tackle. Yeah, and I I say that yeah. because I I just think they're they're prioritizing a need over value at that point, 
And when you're picking in the top 10, you just got to get, you have to hit and get a, a really good player, you know, a, a borderline pro bowler for, you know, eight to 10 years. And mm-hmm. I just, I don't see that in an offensive tackle in this draft. And I, I just think that they would be leaving three or four, maybe five really, really good defensive players on the board if they were to take anybody, you know, a McGlinchey, a Connor Williams, a Colton Miller, uh, whoever else. Uh, so I think uh, worst case scenario, offensive tackle at 10. If you're going to trade back into the mid-20s, I'm fine with it. Um, but yeah, there's there's going to be too many really good defensive players available at ten to take a tackle. All right, let's let's talk about Maurice Hurst because he's he's been someone that has I think become slowly one of the favorite picks among Raider Nation for for the first round. Before I think the last couple of days, it sounds like he's really fallen on some of these draft boards. Um, Ted Nguyen of the Athletic, I think, was kind of the the person who really started that train among among Raider Nation when he kind of proclaimed that Hurst was his favorite pick or, or one of his favorite picks for the first round. Um, you know, a lot of people kind of just kind of follow suit and, and Hurst isn't um, fantastic. I think he's a hell of a pass rusher. Um, he doesn't have some of the size or athleticism. I think that you would want, he leaves a little bit to, to be desired there, but his film, I think is just really, really good. Um, and the concern is like his heart. Um, it, it must be worse than, than people think. Cause Mike Mayock has him drop in all the buzz says that he could even be a, a day three pick now, um, which is going on. So that, that could be, that could be the story on, on draft day is just how far he falls. And there's a certain point where the reward is going to out, outweigh the risk. You just have to decide where that is. Um, like with Laramie Tunsil or, um, who was a layout Collins? Like often when those dudes started to fall, it's like you know. At what point do you do you justify the pick? And and we could be looking at at that with with Maurice Hurst this year. Um, so what do you guys think about about Hurst and where he might fall or, or where the floor might be for him? Like when do you say all right, we just we have to take him at this point? Mm. You you want to go first, Ryan? Just go. Right, right. No, it's you, bro. It's me. All right, I, I I'm actually probably in the minority and who. If heart issues aside, I'm not as high on Mohurst as others. Um, he absolutely has an amazing first step. Uh, he wins with that first step consistently. And he, he won with that first step consistently in college. My, my concern with him is that when he didn't win with that first step, he became pretty average. Um, yeah, no counter moves. He did not a lot of counter moves when when linemen got their hands on him. He just he just kind of turned into an average interior defensive lineman. So that that's a concern for me because I think he's gonna win on he's gonna win less on his first step in the NFL. So you need to have that sort of counter attack and and be able to really hold up against uh, you know single and double teams when you don't aren't able to shoot the gap on every play. Um, I think the, the Geno Atkins, Aaron Donald comparisons are unfair. He's not near the athlete that they are. Um, so, yeah, I, I still really like him. I still think he's a good player, and I think he's going to have a, a, a really good NFL career. And I would absolutely consider him in the second round. Um, it's hard to make these kind of calls as an outsider just because you don't have the medical information or the information to kind of make the right decision. Um, but just – from a, a pure kind of speculation standpoint, I would be completely comfortable taking him in the second round. I think if he's there in, say, the fourth round, unless you think he just isn't going to be able to play in the NFL, 
I think you have to take him. I think he's worth worth the risk at that point. I hear you, Ryan. You want to wrap this up? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm I'm on the opposite end of that spectrum. I completely respect Marcus's opinion. Again, um, I, I find myself kind of siding with Ted on that right now. Mohurst is uh, my number eight overall player, um, and again, uh, I. I really can't factor in the health and medical side, as Marcus alluded yeah. to. We just we just don't have access to those reports. Um, everything outside of like an obvious like torn ACL or broken leg or something like that, but something like like a heart issue. Again, we're not we're not behind closed doors. So just going off of what I, I would take him at ten overall still, but again, being realistic about it. Um, as we're recording this, actually, Matt Matt Miller, NFL Drafts, got over on Bleach Report saying that he is quote unquote hearing that Mohurst is now a day three pick. So take that and run with it, however wow. you will. Um, so for me, I mean, I would, to me, he's a, I'm taking him at 10. I would obviously still take him at 41 in every round after that. Um, but again, it's going to be interesting to just kind of see where he ends up. Um, just kind of given uh, whatever's, you know, being discussed. The whole thing for me is that obviously didn't participate in the, in the combine when all this started. Uh, cleared at his pro day. He was cleared for the same issue uh, at Michigan. Obviously played a full career at Michigan. Um, so unless, again, we just don't know, but unless something got worse, uh, but he ended up being cleared for the pro. So again, something just doesn't quite add up. Maybe it's something out of nothing. Maybe teams are just being overly cautious. Again, you can't, we just, it's just so hard to say, but again, talent alone, uh, I see one of the top players in the class, someone that I would take at 10, someone that I would take at 41, so on and so forth. So I would, if he's still there, you know, at, at the third round, fourth round, whatever, it'd be a, it'd be a, it'd be a, a, a no brainer for me personally. So. You know that this just this just means that uh, if he does fall that far, how many people every round are just going to be like, why, why, why aren't we taking money? Well, yeah. Well, that's the thing is like my 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 boy Elliot Elliot Chris just tweeted out too that once the Miller once the Matt Miller uh, tweet came out, he 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 said and I I totally agree with him if. For whatever reason, uh, heart issues, I would imagine if Mohurst is a day three pick, round six kid, five kid, seven kid, whatever it is, that has to be that that's the best pick in the draft. You would have to think value wise, you know, just just period based off of value alone. Mm-hmm. Um, that it, it, it'd be a it'd be a disheartening story. Obviously, the kid, you know, no, no pun intended, of course, it'd just be sad for him because this was a kid that was a was a top 32 kid at one point if not higher top 10 kid whatever it was and now um you know i guess you can't fault teams for being for being cautious but yeah it must it must be pretty concerning whatever they're saying i i think it is i i think maybe he was given a pass by the michigan team doctors to participate in the in the pro day um but I think once NFL teams got their hands on him and, and started running some of their tests, I mean, to me, that's the only thing that makes sense as to where all of this is coming from, um, unless it's just a deliberate sabotage attempt to, you know, for, for teams to try to play these games in the media to try to get certain guys to fall. I mean, there's there's any any you know theory you want to throw out there is going to be completely accurate or completely false. It, it's I mean, the NFL draft is a complete crapshoot every single year it's it's wild and unpredictable and, and i think that's what makes it part of the reason why it makes it so entertaining um and, and why the nfl has been able to stretch this into a three-day four-day like extravaganza so um you know i'm i can't wait to see what happens with him and and so many other things that we've we've talked about there's there's so many different combinations of things that that can happen so i think it's going to be a I think it's going to be a, a real fun weekend and uh, and I, I'm I'm excited for it. So any any final thoughts that you guys want to throw out there? We'll go ahead and and 
practicing up. No, nah, I'm stoked to have stoked to have Marcus on, man. Marcus, appreciate you, bro. Tons of tons oh, of yeah. again, your 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 grind and the amount of work that 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 you put out, man. I think a 300 plus player big board and stuff like that. So hats off to you, man. That you can you can really dive down and, and, and get a get a good feel uh, for all these processes. Want let's uh, let's plug Marcus real quick. Um, so only one only one nation.com he's got a, a ton of, of content up there um if you just hop on the website um you can find a, probably any number of articles that he's written um and just click on his name and it'll take you to like all the articles he's written got got scouting reports on pretty much most of the first and second round potential options for the raiders like detailed film breakdowns and stuff so be sure to check that out um he's on twitter at uh, oakland scout is what it is right now right marcus oakland scout yeah i guess until i decide to change it again yeah, <laughs> not yet. So yeah. that's 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 what it is for now. So catch him on there. He's trying to get to. Did you get to a thousand followers yet? I know I try to get you a little bump. You got you we're got close. close, right? We're close. We'll we're get getting there. there. So we're help. Gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna get in there before Thursday, bro. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll help the homie we'll get, get to get to a thousand. Um, and then uh, yeah, check him out on, on Twitter and on the website. Got a lot of great work on there. He's gonna have his uh, like Ryan just said. He's got like three hundred or so people on his big board, positional rankings, mock drafts. So stay tuned to the website for uh, for all that. It it's really is really good stuff. Um, so Marcus, thanks a lot for coming on and, and spending you know damn near ninety minutes with us <laughs> to uh, to chat the draft. Um, I'm sure we'll have you on at some point, um, probably after Recapping the draft. It. You, there's a couple other guys, Chris, uh, Chris Reed, and some of the other staff members. I want to try to get on the podcast as well. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we'll definitely get you back on here. Um, so yeah, thanks Ryan, thanks Marcus, thanks everybody for listening. Um, Thank you guys. You know, it's, it's draft weekend. Let's have fun, and we'll talk to you all later. Peace.